Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> you got any more in yet? <laughs> no, believe it or not, that was the only one. I was trying to hold it back, but then uh, you were like, "All right," and I was like, "Fuck." Uh, welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions, weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer, and music, and sports, and sometimes books, and movies. Anyway, I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how's it going? It's going. I I, I have to admit something, guys. Uh, I got sick last week uh, on Tuesday. We didn't record last week, which actually... I've been pretty impressed with us. We've been, we've been meeting once a week now, for a while, um, and so it, it was kind of like you know we're gonna we would take like a week off or something for and I mean like we were busy in the fall but we've been pretty steady and it was just last week it was we were planning on something on Tuesday night and then it was like okay maybe Wednesday would work but Thursday wasn't definitely gonna work and then Friday wasn't gonna work at all so it was either Wednesday or not at all and just Wednesday didn't end up working out but I ended up getting sick on Tuesday so it didn't even matter I was on my deathbed felt miserable had an all-day fever chills cold bleh flu sucked Wednesday wake up not feeling a ton better all of a sudden guy I'm probably had COVID I hear the new strand has like different stuff going on I got like a neck neck pain out of nowhere i don't even understand why uh my head hurt like it felt like it was going to explode so thursday morning i wake up and i've already taken a couple of days this year for my daughter so the last two days so tuesday wednesday i had to take off so thursday i was like i definitely have to go to work so i wake up and i'm feeling miserable my neck is killing me my head is killing me and so i i popped two ibuprofen um not like the Mexican ibuprofen like some people have around here. Um, <laughs> I had American ibuprofen. I, I'm a lightweight, and I don't take drugs to, like, begin with. Like, if I take a drug, then it means that, like, I really, really cannot function. Um, so I popped two ibuprofen, and I went to work. Uh, first period, I had prep, so I have, like, an hour and a half to myself. Okay, we're making it through, and then... Uh, third period rolls around and I got to be honest guys it's probably been the first time in my career and it took four and a half years of teaching for me to get to where I was like I just want all these children in this room to just go jump off a cliff. <laughs> I don't feel that way like ever in my job, no matter how annoying kids are and kids are annoying, trust me. But usually I keep my cool pretty well. Um, but I just was done. I was feeling miserable. I didn't yell at them or anything. Like I did have a girl. She was like, Mr. Pierce, are you okay? Because I it was just, it was more of like a, it was more of just like a give up kind of just, you know. Oh like, no, the ennui set in. The kid said, "The kid says like, Mr. Pierce, can I go to the restroom?" And I just like look at her for a second, and I just go, "Sure." And she's like, "But isn't Juan out in the restroom?" Yes. So then, can I go when Juan gets back? <laughs> yes. 
Okay, but I like have to like really go. So if he isn't back within like two minutes, can I go? Sure. Okay. Ten seconds goes by. Mr. Pierce, can I go use the restroom? It hasn't been two minutes yet. Okay, well then at 10.58, I'm going to go use the restroom. Okay. Okay, I'm going to go use the restroom. Good Lord. That was an entire conversation that I had, and I just wanted to die in the middle of it. There's lots of things that I wish I could say about how I felt about that conversation, but... And that was just like every kid in the class that day. I just was, oh my gosh. And just so we're clear for everybody that's listening, this is an honors class. I have a bunch of honors students that cannot function by themselves. Like they have, like, I, I was walking around, they were doing a research project and they're like, Mr. Pierce, I can't find my publisher for my author. Okay, did you look up your author's name with the publishing company next? Or just say, like, for example, one chick is doing F. Scott Fitzgerald. Did you put F. Scott Fitzgerald's publisher? Yeah, I did, but I couldn't find it. So I walk over to her computer. I type it in. And she's right. The first Google link that pops up is not F. Scott Fitzgerald's publisher. <laughs> Oh, and no. that's where she gave up was just <laughs> looking at the first link on Google. Wow. And I was like, and then I slide up and I was like, there it is. It's Stewart. It's, uh, it's Schuster and Stewart or whatever, Stewart and Schuster publishing. <coughs> and she's like, Oh, and that's like literally any time that I would help out a kid is just, Oh, I didn't see that. And it's just like, Oh, so that's what I did all day. Luckily, fifth and seventh period didn't make me want to, you know, die by the end of the day. So they were they were a lot better. But it was a rough day for me last week. So, but I I will let you know that I have recovered and I've did I've done much better since then. I'm doing a lot better. I'm working with the kids and and stuff. If you thought that I was going to throw in the towel after last week, <laughs> there was a possibility. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, yeah, I was just sick and super irritable. I even had a girl who was like – who was definitely picking up on the vibes that I was giving and she – and I like this girl because she definitely understood what was going on with me and also understood who the people that were being really annoying in the class were. Because oh, some, she's got some situational awareness she goes, as a teenager. She goes – Mr. Pierce, don't you get super annoyed when people keep asking you annoying questions? <laughs> and I was like, I just stopped her. I was walking and I was like, what? And she's like, you know, like people when they're being like super annoying and just like looks at two of the people in the room. Oh, very, that very passive aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, because for me personally, I would just like want to like stab them. <laughs> and I was like, I was like. I didn't even answer. I just kept moving. <laughs> I couldn't say no. Like as much as like you're supposed to sit there and be like, what? No. Like, you know, I have lots of patience. Like, no, it's all good. I love all of you guys for all your quirks or whatever. Nope. Sorry. Couldn't, couldn't say it today. <laughs> it was, I'm going to walk away before I agree. <laughs> so, wow. Anyways, how was your weekend? 
I had a f- great weekend. I uh, went down to the Clash in Los Angeles, NASCAR race. Um, went down on Friday. Uh, went to a pretty decent brewery, brew pub called uh, Brews Brothers. It was walking distance from where we were staying. So um, food was good. Um, they brewed their own beer and then they had some beer from other LA area, LA, well, mostly LA breweries like Smog City. I had Bruce Brothers IPA. I don't remember what they called it. It was very tasty. Nice. And when, when I got the, my second one was from Smog City and I was very surprised. I was like, this Smog City sucks in comparison. And Smog City's up there with, you know, with a lot of the breweries that we talk about on the show. I think we probably had one one of theirs once or yeah, twice. Yeah, it's a growing... This was one that, that I don't remember having in a can. Um, the Smog name, City's Long Beach, right? Uh, it's, yeah, it's somewhere, yeah. It's, uh, it's like it's Long Beach, Torrance, somewhere down like South Bay area, if I remember right. So, um, and then we went to our usual haunt at Foreman's and had, I think I had three Old Fashions. Nice. Um, the regular, the original. I had a regular old fashioned, and I must have had just two. I had the regular, and then I had the one. What's the sequoia? The one that they put the spritz of uh, sprig of uh, pine in it. Pine, yeah, pine yeah, that sprig one's in good. it, and that one was very tasty as well. Um, Nolan had his. Not, I don't find very much of a whiskey drink it's the one he now lo- loves with like coffee liqueur in it or something it just kind of tastes like hot chocolate or cold chocolate milk with even though it's coffee i find it have more of a chocolate flavor with some whiskey in it but uh had a few drinks went home got up at right like uh eight in the morning took her time um there's actually a hot dog place like a hundred yards from where we're staying and we usually go colton stayed at this place before we usually go when you're walking out we go to the west and there's all kinds of businesses yeah, it's there. the one that's right over there by warner brothers right right we rarely go to this hot dog place because it's a hot dog place it's right in front of the uh, warner brothers by the, the main one of the main you gates. bastard you went to the fucking hot dog place we went to doghouse because they had breakfast burrito starting at 10 and i was like i am not in the mood for a french pastry i need some actual oh. protein and so we went there um we would have gone back again later that night but they closed at nine because they had um what is this fucking santa rosa no it's ridiculous because the hot dogs are pretty good yeah uh, it was perfect for the evening I, you know i think I probably would have split something with somebody. I need like a full dog because their dogs are pretty big. And they had Sculpin on draft. Ooh, so I was nice. looking to a tasty Sculpin on draft. But we didn't leave. So we got to the uh, got to the Coliseum around 12.30, 12.45, got settled in. As um, soon as we got in there, they changed the schedule and said, we're not racing tomorrow. We're doing a doubleheader, which we were all happy about. I, once it happened, I said, well, you know what that means? We're going to brunch on Sunday. Um, got in the race, got in the Mexican race. Both were entertaining. Uh, good day. And uh, woke up the next morning and drove out to Malibu to one of my favorite spots, Dukes. Who, oh, I love Dukes. Dukes is great. And I had seen... I had seen chatter on. I, I wanted to call up to see if they were going to be open with all the weather. 
They were open. So I I booked a table. I I put in a reservation for 10.30. They opened at 10. I've had Dukes at Huntington, and I've had Dukes in San Diego. Um, my wife and I, well, I was, I went well before I met my wife, but I, my wife and I have gone multiple occasions, uh, for Sunday brunch. They have a f- outstanding brunch buffet. And usually, they're... and I'd seen a little chatter that, oh, you know, we'd really like the buffet to come, hasn't come back since COVID. But then I saw that was like a post right after COVID. And I saw other posts talking about how the buffet was back. So I was, yes, cause I was looking forward to that buffet. We got there. They had rented out the buffet room to a private like memorial party or something, Aww. so it was just standard breakfast menu. But um, I don't think I've ever had breakfast there, though. We're talking about like Duke's, like the one that's usually like right next to the ocean, right? Yeah, it's right yeah, by the okay. ocean, at the surf place yeah. with yeah, the yeah, Duke yeah. Uh, Mahaya Hay or whatever his name is, the, yeah, the yeah. famous. Uh, I think he was an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, uh, and they do, swimmer, and they do have actor. a Duke's, and they do have a Duke's in Hawaii as well. Yes, but it's called something else, right? Isn't it called yeah, like Jake's it, it, or it's, something? It's it's a part of a chain, and there's like six different restaurants. Yeah, there's only part like, of the yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, there's one in Huntington that's right on, right next to the pier, um, and that one's good. And then there's one in San Diego, but it's in Del Mar, I think. Yeah, I think it's down in Del Mar. Yeah, so if you're listening to this. Uh, well, if you're listening, this is going to be a couple weeks later. But all hell's breaking loose. It's one of the great Armageddon stores of all, storms of all time. The storm was starting when we were there. The, you could see the surf getting big, but uh, drink a bunch of coffee, had a nice uh, breakfast. Uh, but that's also the thing. I've never had breakfast at any of these Oh, it's really so. good. I've never yeah, had I'm a... Good. I don't think I've... Well, I've, I've had dinner or lunch there before and it, the food's always good i think both times that i've been there i've had fish tacos so that's what uh eric had two scrimshaws beers for for with his breakfast nice. uh nolan had a michelada my wife had a bloody mary i just stuck to coffee but uh, it was very good so drove home barely survived the drive back from los angeles to where we live i won't go into detail on that but it was quite hair well there was a truck spun Across all lanes in front of me, nearly hit the car in front of me and narrowly missed. And so that was that was a bit of a crazy moment. Uh, but yeah, so everything's good. Good. The last clash in Los Angeles. Won't be doing that anymore. It'll be back to three races a year for me to cover. But unless I add something else on the schedule down the road, which I probably will. I uh, was telling someone... I. Uh, you guys have heard on the show we talk about covering the NASCAR. There's there are, so I my company co- covers general sports, and we cover NASCAR every week. But I don't have the same people covering NASCAR every week. Um, I have a couple guys who cover a lot of races in the South, maybe six or seven, but it's not a weekly thing. There are other companies that they're not really competitors. Of mine that all they do is NASCAR, and they're they're photographing for NASCAR or for NASCAR. Uh, advertisers or team advertisers or the teams or the manufacturer they're shooting for ford um toyota chevy and i see these guys when we go to races and they go to every single race throughout the season from february until november November. and i said i that I could not do I, even when I was in my twenties. I don't. I would have done it. It was. It's not like it's arduous. It just would have been like, I need something else. Put me on some golf or some football or something. I just don't want to show up every single week sh- shooting the same sa- things, seeing the same people. So, 
three races is really good for me. I would, though, uh, what I was getting at was add like a bucket list race a year. Like go see, go cover a race at Darlington, go cover a race at Daytona, you Talladega. Get, you get one of those maps. The like the nice like wood ones yeah. that have like where you fill it in with like the little like it's not like you you buy like a little piece that you're able to fill in the spot wherever whatever re- race that you go yeah. to and, and put it there. Uh yeah, that's so everything's good. So do two things tonight. We can make the first part a what the X. Yeah, that'll work. Um uh, pull up X. What the X? So if you're listening to this and you're kind of plugged into, well, X and YouTube, I think is where a lot of this is going on. Um, and you're plug, you maybe have, you're plugged in like Christian circles, or you have some Christian people that you know on X or YouTube. You might be aware of what we're going to talk about if I can find my social media apps. Um, So there's a pastor. Wait, before we get into this, Colton, what are we going to do for the Super Bowl? You want to talk about that? I was like, I'll be here for the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, we're going to, if you're listening to this, it's probably two or three weeks after. We're, we're doing an anti-Super Bowl party. So uh, not, it's for a variety of reasons. Well, it's way, not that's all. Not, that's not a Colton thing, just so we're clear. I think that this is a more of the guys group thing. Uh, listen, I'm... No, it, this is not. Yeah, this is. It's not for one reason. One of the reasons is too much Taylor Swift on my television. Uh, but it's it's a amalgam Which of, of actually, reasons. No, just so we're clear. Hold on, we need to clarify this about the Taylor Swift thing on the television. I don't care that Taylor Swift is on the television. I don't mind when when sports do a cut off to a celebrity or whatever. It's more of the. It's more of the idea of they have built up that we should care that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are in a relationship. That's fair. That's fair. That's the issue that I have is where it's like that's fair when when it's when it's CBS hosting and they've got the oh there's uh, Gary Cole uh, right the Dodgers have like ten thousand celebrities at their games. It's Gary Cole in attendance. He's the star, the guest, the the star of our show uh, FBI New York, and he's in attendance. Yeah, of course, we're we're all familiar with the celebrity cutaway who the network paid for to be there in order to do a quick commercial for their show. Yeah, I'm I I agree. yeah, it's not – I like, I don't care about Taylor, and that's where, like – I think that that's actually where, like, girls and Swifties are, like, finding finding their voice and all that is they're like, oh, well, like, they like th- – they kind of feed in off of that. And it's like, no, I don't think you understand. It's not about – it's not about Taylor. I don't care about girls being on my screen or whatever. It's more about the idea of just, like – I don't care that Travis Kelsey's in a fucking relationship. I'm sorry. Like, I've never cared. I have so many sport. I, I There are so many people that I idolize in sport, in sports, and I don't give a flying fuck who they are dating on a regular basis. And I am so glad that in baseball and in soccer, they don't cut away to their girlfriends. I had an issue with uh, Landon Donovan who decided to talk about, like, what some some girl or some guy who was on the Spanish national team and he kept making jokes over the fact that that guy didn't basically have like 
a legitimate reason for being on the team other than the fact that he was dating the coach's daughter. And it was like, okay, like, why do you keep talking? And he literally kept talking about it the entire World Cup. And it was like, dude, stop, just stop. I just don't care. I don't care about relationship status. So that's part of the reason why I don't care for Taylor Swift being on the screen. It's just like, stop with that shit. Uh, okay, so, But yeah. what you're talking about is... There's a lot of reasons. There's, I'm, I'm sick and tired of having to feel like uh, complaining about bad refereeing is somehow wanting nice things or overly nice things. Uh, it's on CBS. Uh I'm a Cowboys fan. He goes, it's on CBS. That's a reason for a complaint. I didn't finish. Somebody <laughs> else did this to me. I didn't finish my sentence. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, you, it's then you on switched CB- over to I'm a Cowboys fan. It's on CBS. <laughs> and so I'm a Cowboys fan and lo- liked t- Tony Romo as a quarterback for the Cowboys and enjoyed him the first year as a broadcaster. But since then, he has clearly fallen in love with the sound of his own voice, and so I do not like him, so I'm not interested in listening to him for a couple hours. We have another friend who's a Niners fan, but... Tim's a pretty big Joe Buck fan, just so we're clear. I do not like Joe Buck. <laughs> I don't. I generally did not like Troy Aikman, even though he was a UCLA quarterback. I, as a football player, loved him. I found him boring... And useless as an announcer until the last two or three years where he decided to be the old man on his corner on the corner. So now he just calls out bad football whenever it's now it's glorious. It's just like, yeah, you know, he's kind of like, why do I have to keep putting up with bad football? So he's now I do like him. Uh, We have another we have a friend who's actually a Niners fan, but he seems to be pretty convinced the whole sport's rigged. And so he's not participating anymore. Um, So I. We're doing an anti-Super Bowl party. I am sure the game's going to be on somewhere, if not multiple places. It'll just be off somewhere. If you can watch it or you don't, it might even be out where we're drinking and smoking cigars. But it's just going to be an excuse for do what we to do what we normally do. I was about to say, what's really funny about all of this is they're like, we're putting on an anti-Super Bowl party. Um, if you had been to a Super Bowl party within the last couple of years, I've been to the last two Super Bowl parties here, which actually at my I, house, at my which house. I enjoy, by the way. Like, I please don't please don't take what I'm saying as like a as anything against it. But I think I'm the only guy that ends up watching the Super Bowl. But that's because I don't really like watch sports on a regular basis, and so it's like, oh yeah, the Super Bowl's on. But usually everybody ends up going out to the back and smoking a cigar. Um. Whenever Jay decides that it's time to go, or smoke Andy, a cigar. I think or Andy, Andy, one year Andy was the first one, to and go, it was so just yeah. like, okay, I guess it's time to go smoke a cigar. Uh, so anyway, we're gonna we're, we'll get together. I don't know. We'll, it'll be on multiple televisions. Maybe. There'll be fun being had. Everybody will have a good time. That'll be here. I was like, what are you doing for? What are you doing for a meal this time? Uh, everyone's just bringing something. Everybody's bringing something. I'll probably do chicken wings or a bunch of chicken wings. Or I was thinking about chicken. Drumsticks. Okay. Like nice. a. Dressed I like, up in. Dressed, I love. I love drumsticks. Yeah, so dressed okay. up in the same way as a wing, but a little more meatier. I was like, me and Audrey always do a barbecue drumstick, and I was like, we do them in the summer all the time. So I was like, I love chicken drumsticks because uh, they're pretty cheap, and you get a ton of them that'll feed a lot of people. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I was like, it's actually, it's one of my dad's favorite things to make over the summer. Is like, anytime anybody's coming over. We're doing barbecue drumsticks. Yeah, so. yeah. Costco's uh, usually got. Costco doesn't always have them, but they have them right now where you can buy like 
yeah. I don't know. Lather like, them up with barbecue sauce and sixty mm. of them for like fifteen so twenty bucks. So good. Uh, am I good to bring sausage over on? That? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay, so back to what the X. So if you, like I said, if you're into, all right, I'll just. I'll there is a pastor named uh, Al- Alistair Begg. He's Scottish. He pastors a church in Ohio. Uh, he has a radio show called Truth for Life, which I think is basically just recordings of his uh, sermons. I'm not sure. Uh, he's usually on whatever stations playing John MacArthur and John Piper material. Alistair's on there. He's uh, he's in cahoots with them. He's a little so- he's softer around the edges. Then Piper and uh, MacArthur. I've listened to a lot of his stuff. I, I, even though I don't agree with everything because he's a bit more fundamentalist, I do enjoy him very much. And so a couple weeks ago, he got himself into a big hot mess that is now uh, taken over Christendom in the United States. It's ridiculous. So uh, I'll read from this article that tidily explains what's going on. During the interview, he's do, he's uh, involved. He's doing an interview with somebody. Oh, I'll just read it. That advice he said in a recent sermon was based on Jesus's common command for Jesus to love even those who they disagree with or disapprove of. Jesus said, "You are supposed to love your enemies." Said Beg, drawing from from a series of Bible texts to claim that Christians should show compassion and not condemnation for those who have gone astray. The sermon was a response to a controversy over comments Begg made during a uh, promotional interview for a book last fall, which recently went viral on social media. During the interview, Begg recounted talking to a woman. This woman was a grandmother, to be clear, which I do I think is actual good context. It's a grandmother uh, uh, whose grandchild was getting married to someone who was transgender. So which is not really accurate. Her grandchild is also transgender, so they're both transgender. Beg, who opposes same-sex weddings, suggested she should go to the wedding and bring a gift. By doing so, she would show love for her grandchild, even though she did not approve of the wedding. Quote, for your love, they may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said, these people are always what I thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared to countenance anything, the pastor said. He added, Christians have to take risks in order to show love for those around him. So, as this article said, it's now turned into a firestorm. It's what I would call a shit show on social media, and comments on YouTube, all kinds of vile stuff. People who think they have the, the they've been given the power to uh, excommunicate people from christian circles uh, they, they do actually uh, <laughs> uh even though protestantism is completely based on not having centralized power to do that so uh no it does uh okay so i'm gonna read a couple of the comments that really rankled me and some of which i engaged in <laughs> and i might or might not say everything that i engaged in but or say what i said uh who's all ready to judge tim right now i'm raising my hand by the way 
Far too often, I have to explain to believers that Jesus didn't hang out with sinners while they were intentionally sinning, and Jesus never celebrated, in all caps, their sin. Furthermore, none of those quote-unquote sinners expected or requested Jesus affirm their sins. Mm. All right, put a pin on that. Do I have to put a pin in it? All right, com- okay, a comment. It's Yeah, this will be better because I'm going to fire off a couple of them, and each one's different. They're not all the same thing. So, like, the hard part with that one is, like, again, again, sins are not, like, especially when we're talking about something like homosexuality, for example. Um, Sin is not, it's, like, you can't, when it comes to that kind of stuff, you're dealing with something that is, is lifestyle is something that is completely different than than a lot of people give credit for people are just like oh yeah like you know um like you know just get over it or whatever that's not how that works like that's what's so frustrating with a lot of that where where when people are in need or they're having issues people are just like oh well you know um you're this or that because you know you you're not a part of i'm trying to say this delicately so that way i'm not being dumb about it but there's this idea out there that when you are a part of the trans community or you're part of the homosexual community that you are purposefully choosing that on a day-to-day basis um you choose it as much as a child chooses to lie when it comes to the level of sin or you choose to do that as much as somebody chooses to cheat on their spouse or you choose it as much as somebody does x y and z um and there may be elements to that just so we're clear um there i still believe that everything that we do in our lives is a choice but at the same time i gotta be 100 percent honest with everyone in the room and hopefully everybody that listens to this has the same kind of concept I don't feel like I have to choose to be attracted to women. Do you feel like you have to choose to be attracted to women? No. No, but I, I, I'm finish your thought and then I'll. Well, so that's what I'm saying is, is there's this idea out there that when it comes to this sin, that it's, it's someone has chosen. to be this way again it's it's the sin and we can't we can't dive into that or whatever and so you need to be better or rise above but really not understanding or sympathizing or empathizing with the person that is going through the situation and is not i don't know i don't know i'm just baffled by this where it's it just comes from a place of 
in my opinion, where the person doesn't seem to be understanding at all how how any of that works. Uh, well, I'm going to disagree a little bit. No, just I, I think there is. I think right now we're in a, pa- a phase of social contagion, and there's a lot of people who are choosing to do it because I think social media in particular is one is not a it's social the world we live in right now makes it very hard to just exist quietly in the corner like when i was a kid and just be a weird outcast and kind of find your niche um and i think it's a lot easier to find niches where you're trying to grasp like i don't feel like i fit anywhere so now i'm going to try to maybe what i need to do is identify as a woman and i'll feel better about that so you try that like on like a pair of pants for a couple years and that doesn't work so i i'm not sure that i agree that it's genetic my second thing is i remember when i was very much in on being anti-gay people were saying oh it's genetic well from a christian perspective we all live in not only is the world our bodies itself are fallen they're not what we were created so if you told me there's a there's a alcoholic gene out there i'd say yeah there probably is but we're still there's something that jesus and the holy spirit can work through on that so so whether they choose it or not it's not that i don't it's just it doesn't really matter to me it it, it, i think that just kind of gets that in some ways in a round actually kind of in a roundabout way falls into the trap of what the fundamentalists are saying It, it i it it's just I think a lot of these things are, I think a lot of men are gay because they, to be perfectly honest, because they grew up in a house with an overbearing mom and an absent dad. So, okay, so what? Uh, at, <laughs> genetics and environment, are, I think, are, are both equal. They're both very important. And in some instances, the genetic is much, they're just predisposed. They, they got more estrogen if you're a male or you got more... Uh, testosterone is a female and you identify that 100% that is a i think particularly lifelong trans or lesbian or gay that is it's baked into the cake and if we find out yes god actually meant you to be that way then you were one of those lucky loser unlucky losers who wound up in a body that itself was a fallen body because it didn't follow within what god intended for us and it's that person's burden to to deal with that um the problem is we christians have staked this as some unforgivable sin where the new testament is very clear there are no unforgivable sins except denying the holy spirit right and what christians want to do is set a hierarchy of sins and sex is up there but lying to people all the time or stealing from people all the time or running a business where we're raking in a lot of money and having our our employees work for pennies yes i think that's a a, an unethical immoral christian there's all kinds of stuff christians don't consider sin we just blow past but this is the thing we're going to get really uppity about and i saw a lot of posts like this and at some point i you know i kept to this specifically there, there were several things that really irked me about what I was seeing. Was one, there was th- I would say three general categories. One was people saying, 
Yes, Jesus hung out with the tax collectors and the sinners, but when he did, he told them what they were doing wrong. And it took me two seconds, took me half a second to pull up in my brain, hang about, there's a couple, there's a verse at the beginning of Mark and one, I believe, at the, at the beginning of Matthew, and I pulled it up in another 10 seconds of, all it says is, Jesus had broke bread. He had dinner. With yeah, sinners but, and tax collectors. But it, if you read into the text. Exactly. Doesn't say what he said. No, 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 no. It just says he had dinner. What we know is he had dinner with sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees. No, that dinner was his opportunity <laughs> to sit there and tell them that. And that's wrong. problem number two is I had all is all of these people saying what Jesus would do. Well, that is what Jesus would do. And I'm including people on the other side, I think the side we more side with, who say Jesus would say this. I don't know what Jesus would say. I know exactly what Jesus would say. He'd draw a dick in the dirt. And... No, yeah, no, that's the whole thing, where it's the idea that... <laughs> he draw a dick in the dirt. Yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> you gotta know. Uh, again, that's the famous read into the whole scripture. Um, he, he wrote asshole. <laughs> he said, fuck you. In he said, Pharisee be like China. They asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Jesus is... And will forever be somebody who is always love. And I know that that seems like, ooh, thanks for the hippy-dippy answer, Colton. But in all seriousness, there is there's this idea out there where so iron sharpens iron, and so he wouldn't be there with them and condoning their behavior and all that kind of stuff. And But also, we have a bastardized view of what we think condoning behavior is. Correct. We think that if you go to something, well, then you're supporting it or whatever, and it's like... Well, someone pointed out, they said, uh, well, if you go there, if you go to a wedding, there's this... Weddings have always had this moment where well, people are supposed to stand up and say if they agree or disagree, and so if you don't stand up and disagree, then you're condoning the wedding. And then two seconds later, someone stepped in and said, uh, that is a modern, secular ceremony that didn't have anything to do with the bible that is something christians have inserted that has zero to do with the bible so kudos to that person who pointed that out that wants me to make that makes me want to like punch that person in the face and then and then i responded and said this is where i did respond i said how how many of you have how many of you have been to a wedding where someone was divorced particularly the woman if you have then according to even jesus although Granted, I, Jesus wasn't being literal here. He was calling out. We knew what you meant. Then according to, then according to what, how you read the Bible, you are complicit in adultery. Right. And they are, actually. Uh, all those people are 100% sinners. Because <laughs> they showed up at a wedding where one or two people were di previously divorced. Yeah, I can't believe they did They that. condoned it. I can't believe they did that. That's fucking. I will, uh, as an aside, just, I gave a speech at some I was going to end it with this, but I, I, it's, it's too delicious. Somebody was on there. I have one in front of me saying, uh, I'm a grandmother, and, not, and I, out of six, 
only one is married. I will tell you 100%. I would never go to a wedding. There was a lot of that stuff. I will never go, even if it's one of my family members. And I had, someone went on there and said they had a family. They had a kid that was gay or something. I think gay. And they didn't go to the wedding. And they were all proud of it. And some guy jumped in and said, you're a piker. <laughs> you're a piker. My my son came out of the womb, not committed to Jesus. I didn't show up to his birth. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and then another guy chimed in and said, "I beat you. I got you beat. I, he did, he didn't commit at conception, so I said to hell with him." <laughs> And I looked the I looked both guys up. They were Christians. They weren't I mean it wouldn't have been any less if they had been like atheists who were chiming in and throwing fuel on the fire. But it, it I thought it was even better that it was a couple of Christian guys coming in. Oh, you guys are losers. <laughs> it was just the ultimate satire. <laughs> Golly. So, yeah. So one, uh, assuming that every time Jesus sat down, he was sermonizing. Oh, he hated the gays 100%. Uh, and also <laughs> hated divorce. Well, uh, no, but the man was human. Yeah. He didn't go around just sermonizing all the time. He had moments that were probably... Just as many moments as you and I, well, not as many as you, you, you and I are pretty, pretty, we're on the very edge of holding on to our sanctification, but okay. Uh, there are lots of moments where he just sat down and had a good laugh and told stories and remember when Peter did this and remember when, you know, so this idea that everything was always him sitting down and like spewing out something that god had to be needed needed to be said in front of a group of people i i do find that view distasteful i mean i understand why christians believe that but you're dehumanizing jesus i don't jesus. understand why christians believe that uh, what just because it's in the scriptures i'm like golly okay so i i don't know it's so I, I, I just think it's something we don't really think about I, 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 I just don't think a lot of Christians sit down and think, no, he was, they don't actually sit down and think like of what it means to be human. It doesn't just mean that he had a body and he hurt when he stubbed his toe. It also means he had, he liked to have. Yeah, his shit didn't stink is basically what they get at. Like He liked to interact with people just like humans did. And not everything was holding forth and preaching and calling people out and all that kind of nonsense like a lot of christians believe no because nobody would want to fucking hang out with them if he did exactly i said there was a third thing i'm trying to remember what that yeah, was thanks for making jesus into a square everybody not that jesus had to be cool or anything but at the same time like also understand that <sighs> Listen, I mean, like, the way that I'm presenting it right now isn't perfect by any means. But at the same time, there's a certain irritation that I get with people that just all of a sudden think that 
Jesus is supposed to fit a certain box for them. And it's just like, come on. All right, I'm going to read one more tweet in the weekend or X, whatever the hell they're calling it. And then we can wrap this up and then get to the other topic, the we've main been, topic, we've been which call- actually leads into the next topic. We've been calling it exactly what it's meant to be called, X, <laughs> X the entire time. Uh, but but what do you call, you used to call it a tweet. What do you call it now, an eeks? You if call it's, it, if it's X, do you, you call it an eeks? You call it an exegetical. Okay, that's, that's no. <laughs> hold on, hold on, I gotta. So, okay, so uh, two last things. One, I'm going to, this is side note. Uh, <laughs> this guy, Daryl Cooper, Cooper, who goes by Martyr Maid on X that I've mentioned before, he had some guy, Daryl posts stuff about, uh, Daryl's a big fan like you and I of the Prodigal Son. Uh, he posted something. Who isn't a big fan of the Prodigal Son? Um, and some guy... <laughs> Some guy posted a reply. I don't think it, I don't even know it was a negative reply, but the guy claimed to be a the guy was very emphatic in his profile that he's a Christian. Mm. But his avatar picture was of David holding Goliath's cut off head. <laughs> so Cooper was like, "Your your picture doesn't really fit the whole Christian motif." <laughs> It's some people's Christian Okay, so I don't normally read who posts something. That's just I don't want to pick on someone, but this guy's just asking for it. All right, so. Andy. Uh... <laughs> no, this is uh, this is by someone calling them themselves sons of Cora. I don't know what that is reference to. I don't know either. Uh, if you go to their um, if you go to their X profile, their wallpaper appears to be some, I think it's the flood or something. The earth seems to be opening up and Moses is gleefully watching people fall into this crevice in the ground. I don't know what that's in reference to. That's in reference to Moses gleefully watching people <laughs> fall into the ground. And then his description of himself is Christian nationalist. I, I frankly, I don't know. This might be a parody. The, the, when I read this, this is this might be a parody ep- account. Christian nationalist, stone choir Lutheran. Oh, whatever that is. Anti-Marxist. Okay. Anti-libertarian. Ooh, it was right in the middle. That's gonna beat the hell out of. Tim right now. He's God be- is involved and then he cites Genesis like- 41 38 to 41 Daniel 3 29 and Deuteronomy 2 and not, I don't think this is a Christian I think this is some strange I don't know what they are I think you know exactly. they're a Moserite uh, a, uh, okay so they post <laughs> but their post suggests that they think they're Christian so their reply they to what know they're Christian actually to what um, to what Berg did uh, Beg did is 
It's one thing to sit with sinners to teach swindlers and prostitutes to repent. Jesus did. Okay, we already dealt with that. It's another thing to join in public all cap public celebration all caps of a detestable capital offense. What is the capital offense? Yeah, exactly. In the name of love. Yes, she will feel the love, the love of Jezebel, not Jesus. She won't repent. Well done you. You follow the law better than we do. What is the capital offense? That's a, I don't know. What capital offense do you speak of, sir? I, I was like, man, Martin Luther King must have never loved Jesus. So, okay. so Because <laughs> that was a capital offense. The reason why I brought this up wasn't really just a... I, uh, I think this is, I actually do think the last, this is, I think this started in like two weeks ago. This has been going on for two, three weeks. I think this, as absurd as it sounds, I think this is a profound moment in our current Christian culture. I think we're going to look back on this as a big moment. It's going to be one of several big moments. Um, and here's why. I'm just trying to track your big moment here. So I'm like, what is a big moment? I think the church is going to have to come to an agreement similar to what Paul and Barnabas Barnabas did with Peter and the Jewish side of saying, you go teach your version, we'll go teach our version, and we're not going to kill each other over it i'm just like your version is the shitty version or like well you know what i'm no i know yeah the side the side that's really worked up well the side that's really worked up about this is never going to get work uh, not worked up about it but so uh beg was supposed to be at a big conference hosted by john MacArthur at his church i think next week John MacArthur was going to be there. John Piper was going to be there. Beg, they were going to be the three speakers. Beg has decided to not go because he didn't want his comments to overshadow the week-long conference, which it surely would. I'm glad he didn't go, not because of the overshadowing. I was concerned that under pressure, because he's been, he's now doubled down several times and said, "I'm not double. I'm not backtracking on what I said. This is a grandmother." This might be the last wedding she goes to. In the grand scheme of things, it, the the I don't even think her being the grand matters. the kid knows the girl the granddaughter knows what she believes. Yeah. And my wife Tanika had a great point. If the grandmother doesn't show up, then it's a, where's your grandmother? Well, she's not here. Then to Berg's point, Beg's point, it just feeds into oh she doesn't believe in it, and so it's like oh well, those Christians go thinking they're smarter, they're better than everybody else. Well, we don't think it. We know it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think trying to wrap this up. I I I think Beg's he he was. He was very clear. Go there, love her, 
she knows what you think. I think I think I think the not knowing where you stand on things and for me and you I think it would be like I'm not sure what I think or maybe you're more open to it than I am. If I'm honest I was like I don't know. I I'm there's still old school part of me that says I'm not down with it, but I don't think it's like that easy. You know what I'm saying? Like I think Christians need to be open about what they feel about it. And I say feel about it cuz I think we're way too and this is uh, this is the other thing that Okay. We need to be when we're confronted with if you decide not to go to a wedding, I'm not going to get on Twitter and blow you up. I think that the side that will go to a wedding needs to agree we're not going to get on Twitter and publicly blow up the people who don't go and say, "Oh, you're a bunch of terrible people who just well, care about the rules and well they are a bunch of terrible people. <laughs> no seriously yeah yeah and the side that thinks doesn't agree with that needs to also agree i don't agree with that but i'm not going to blow you up because i think i know what jesus would do um and this gets me to what our pastor talked about a couple weeks ago in a sermon which is until very recently, Christianity was understood to be as a struggle. Right. It wasn't this thing where now I have this paint-by-numbers view of the world that explains to me how everything works. And if I just follow what Jesus said in the red letters and a bunch of stuff that Paul said, and we'll throw in a, a splash of Peter and James, then I got the whole world figured out. But modern Christianity particularly evangelicalism seems to have it all clear what Jesus said, what he did, what he did, what he would do in this modern context. And I have all of the clarity to be able to speak on his behalf and say, well, Jesus would have clearly done this. Or at least they think they do. Well, they think that they do. They, they speak with all that authority. When again, I think the proper understanding of the faith that we've signed up for is a struggle it is actually not knowing what jesus would do right and doing our best to bumble around and sometimes make bad decisions and that might be going to a wedding where you go to a wedding and two years later your granddaughter says i didn't know you supported what i'm doing and you say i'm not saying i, I do I but I love but you. But I love you. But I love you but as much as you. as much as I love someone so who got divorced when they shouldn't have gotten divorced, or so and so who's a liar, or so and so. And the hardest this. And the hardest part about all of that is I don't understand how people don't see the difference between those two. Exactly. That's what's really frustrating for it's, me. And it's frustrating because if you adopt that principle, that puts it on the other person when they say, "Well, you don't accept me for everything I I am." And then they turn their back to you, which it's quite easy for you to say, well, you don't, you don't accept my Christianity. I don't turn my back to you. Right. It's just. <laughs> which I find is fundamental to, to you, to you who think you're transgender or gay or whatever it is. We both don't, we don't, both don't understand except the things that are fundamental to us. That doesn't mean that we can't be in a relationship. 100% agree. And you're not going to be judged because your granddaughter or your nephew or your friend from work or your lifelong college friend says, fuck you, you don't agree with me because I'm gay and I'm going to marry someone. 
that's on them. Right. But if they sit there and go, okay. And you act like, and built into that is whoever they marry, you treat like they're not some weirdo, but you would love them as the, if they were the opposite sex of who they're quote, supposed to be marrying. This goes back to the bounded sets and yeah. unbounded and centered sets. Right. And all of these people who've been public about, oh, you're now, you're now out of bounds. I'm not going to listen. You've, you've gotten this one thing wrong. I'm not, I'm not every, if you'd, whatever you'd said two weeks before, I would have listened to every little thing. And like you were like the 14th apostle. But now you're wrong on this thing. And so now you're dead to me so frustrating i'm sorry the more i read the the good book and the more i struggle with my faith and the things that are thrown at me that i have to struggle with making decisions as to what what i think jesus what i think jesus might have done i am less certain about my faith than i am when i was 20 or 30 or 40 and Again, I don't want this to turn into everybody who's on the other side of this is horrible and they're ruining Christianity That's because that's not the point of this podcast either. It's to say, folks, I think you're wrong. Maybe let's reassess this. But you're not, it's, I'm not trying to say you're dead to us. But the lack of humility is just really... Uncanny. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Which brings us into the main topic... Are you ready for this? No, but yeah. Well, I, I briefed you before we started. It was lightly briefed, yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're going to circle back. When we started this podcast, we basically ripped off a lot of material. Well, we used material from our pastor at our church, Forrest, and then dug really deep into it that he wasn't able to do in a sermon. And so we're going to do some more of that um, in the next couple months. Um, there's some some core things. There's going to be some exercises we're going to do to try to figure out, like, what does it mean to be a core, uh, really, uh, what are our core beliefs as Christians? What does it mean to actually live a life as a Jesus, Jesus follower, putting aside those things that don't really matter, like whether or not you're going to go to a gay wedding or not, or transgender wedding, those kind of things. And I'm, I'm going to be... Uh, ripping off very good material from our pastor Forrest, which most likely he stole from somebody else too because that's just how it is to be a pastor i'm, I'm not how pastors do business. i'm not criticizing i mean that that's what you do somebody does something and you take it and you run with it and you apply it to your little community or your church and so no disrespect at all to Forrest. and if he did come up with this stuff on his own then Sorry for saying you. More power to him, but I don't think I knowing him he won't be offended. Okay, so uh, we're, so we're gonna go over three faith categories tonight. And I, again, I think this leads into what we were just talking about because we are so every there is a group of us who think all of things that I believe are all important things I believe. And what this exercise I think will do is, if you listen to this, is really get you to categorize things into diff, in di three different segments. So you are less uppity about all the things you believe and really, really hold on to the things that you should believe. So, so all right, main topic. We're going to do three fat faith categories. We'll talk about each one. 
before I read those, I'm going to read a quote by Dallas Willard from his book, The Great Omission. Uh, Dallas Willard, you're prob- most people, even if you grew up in the church. He's missing a C, by the way. What? I said he's missing a C, by the way. Um, it's the Great Commission. Come on, bro. Great omission. Um, you should. You do you know anything about Dallas Willard? Probably. I don't know. I'm okay. Well, this is this is gets to my point. Nolan, uh, Nolan, Colton. Even what are you? Twenty eight. Twenty. So you're late twenties. Mm, yeah, you're I'm about you're, to be you're pretty because be of your family background and you went to uh, Fresno Pacific. You're 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 pretty up on uh, theologians and. Uh, prominent christian writers and you're not even all that aware of dallas willard he's a he's a i asked my mom about him and she said yeah i really liked him but i could never buy his books because he was a professor at usc (laughs) and so a lot of his books were uh academic books they weren't really accessible to the public um particularly even before amazon well if you even if you go on amazon now yes you can get books that you could only get let's say if you went down your local university or college and spend forty dollars there's still forty dollars if you buy them on amazon so anyway uh dallas willard a prominent professor of uh religion i think at usc um modern theologian and he writes in his book the great omission the greatest issue facing the world today with all of its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. I think that ties together perfectly with what we just discussed, where we have a bunch of people who who know emphatically exactly how Jesus would have handled this situation. And I'm supposed to handle it the same way, even though I am not the son of man son of god and son what of, we're going to talk about son of man is the correct response to say by the way i know but for those of you who found that weird so here all right uh do, do you want me to read all three or just deal with one at a time let's go one at a time okay i'm gonna go reverse order how i read read them to you that's a-okay before the show yep, i got you number one core conviction the things I believe 100%. This should be easy. So these, well, <laughs> they should be, but they're not. That's the whole reason why we're doing this exercise. Core conviction. The things I believe 100%. What are those things? We've done, we did a whole, what, yeah, we did, three, four episodes on yeah, this? We did, we did three or four episodes. Of dogma really, versus. Yeah, the understanding. The, the doctrine versus dogma, what we went through, the creed, what do you agree with, what do you not agree with, um, where it was like, yeah, these are truths. Yeah, this is this is where the United States, where we hold these truths to be self-evident. These are know. the things that we believe, whether you're a Methodist or a Lutheran or a Baptist or a Catholic or East, right. East, Eastern Orthodox. You either hold these things or you're not correct. a part of the, you're not a part of the faith. And, and... There are things that are included in that that are that people aren't considering, and there are things that are excluded from that that people are considering. So things like baptism, that's not a part of the core part of your belief. Correct. 
but things that are part of the core part of your belief are loving other people. Um, and you're like, well, that's like secondary. That's just what I'm asked to do. And it's like, nope. That's a core part of who you are as a Christian. Because that is what Jesus Christ has asked us to do. Um, what's the other one? Uh, yeah, there are a lot of things in the core that, that don't belong there. But there are things that we have to recognize that are part of the core. All right, let's start, let me start with this. I'm going to read from Mark. 10 mark chapter 10 i'm using the new living translation just because the google machine shoved that in my face and at this point i don't really give a damn what the translation is as long as it's not king james version uh or they're all flawed so it doesn't matter uh so this is jesus is confronted by the rich man good teacher what what must i do to inherit eternal eternal life why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. This is interesting because if you are a Christian or you have some inkling of the Bible, there are ten commandments, right? Ten commandments. So Jesus is going to rattle off ten things that you must do in order to be a good person. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Lie. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Stops there. And then the story goes on. I've obeyed all these things. What I'm supposed to do? And Jesus says, sell all your possessions, give to the poor. And then you'll, and the guy doesn't do it. And so um, that's a good start. Those four things, right? Yeah. We're not doing the whole, t whole 10 commandments. Although I would say the rest, the other six of the 10 are wrapped up in the four, basically. Sure. Uh, Jesus died. There's one. Died on a cross. Rose three days later. Uh, that's it, right? Son, son of God. God in flesh. Yep. Those, those are the, those are the things we all agree on. Those are the core things. Those, are, those are the things I'm not gonna. I'm going to, <laughs> if we're gonna be crystal clear about. Those are the things I'm going to go and be burned at the stake for. Those are the things I'm going to be put on the top of a, a big pile of wood and said, uh, uh, tell me that you are not a follower of this Jesus character. That Jesus is not who he says he is. That Jesus is not the son of man that Nero is the only God and that this Jesus cat is only some revolutionary and you're willing to be uh, crucified upside down and hung for a week, uh, walk on the road up to Rome. That's what we're going to die on. Right. That's what when, uh, what going back to the previous uh, thing, the, the previous topic, I got, kept getting people left and right were citing the the verse where Jesus is saying mother will turn against son and father will turn against blah blah blah. All these families are going to turn against other because you're following me. You're going to do that because you're willing to say you might think I'm crazy. This guy is who he says he is. Right. He was the son of man. He did die. I did see him 
raised uh, raised from the dead. His tomb was empty. Yes. And I'm willing to die. I'm willing for you to call me a crazy person because this guy wasn't the Messiah. He did not save Israel from the clutches of Rome and overturn the dirty Romans and their and 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 their rule of us and before that the Babylonians. I am yeah. willing to say no, I this guy is who he says he is. It does not mean you can say no granddaughter, you're a filthy confused little human being who doesn't know that she's actually a male or a female and you're willing to marry another confused person and so therefore i'm the victim and i'm going to be separated from you that's not what that means yeah no not at all the things to lose relationships are over which no one does let's be honest no there is not a segment of the world yes there might be stand-up comedians or parts of pop culture that make fun of people who actually believe that Jesus is who he says, but you're not losing relationships over over it. And if you can't take a little ribbing because, yeah, I believe Jesus died in the Son of Man and someone's making fun of me, then get over yourself because it's you that, you that you're offended by. You're not defending Jesus by being offended by it. Right. Those are the core convictions. We never hand, give them up. No. Somebody says... Modern context. Colton, I will give you a $40,000 raise. You'll never lose your job. Just say Jesus isn't who he says he is. And it's really just a big hoax. Again, crazy. It's a terrible... That wouldn't happen today. But that's the thing I can come up with. Yeah, it's the Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Correct. Or it's like, okay. Um but also, I mean, like... Okay, here's a modern one. You, There's a girl. You like a girl. But also, just so we're clear, like, words don't really mean that much. So it's like... Oh, what? I said words don't really mean that much. So you'd just be like, oh, yeah, sure. Whatever. Okay, okay babe. Okay. Here's but the a, conviction here's a, of my heart doesn't... Here's a better one. You meet a girl at... Oh, you're one of these dirty, filthy Christians who goes to a bar. You're at a bar and you meet a girl and you really like the girl. I'm married, you piece of shit. No, I got it. Okay, keep going. I'm, I, I moved on from yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it. And you meet this girl, and you really like her, and you're hitting it off, and she's like, oh, you dirty, filthy Christians trying to take my right to choose my own body. And like, well, I, I'm actually a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And she walks away. Okay. I mean, we're kind of mixing the two, but you, you know what I'm saying. It's because Tim's a 40-year-old man, and or 50-year-old man, and 40-something-year-old 50-something-year-old man. 50-something. How dare you? And uh, doesn't... I'm struggling for... Doesn't have to hit it off in the bar with anybody. I was like... I'm not talking in the bar. Yeah, I'm, talking, I'm talking about weeks I know, later. I know, I know, I know. Um, yeah. No. Uh, Those are the things that we're willing to die die for. Quote-unquote. Oh, not quote, literally and figuratively. I was like... It, but again, this, uh, this plays into the, what you had said earlier about the United States and us... Well, guys, we're not persecuted. No, but if you live in China, this is the thing, or, or some oh, 100%, other place. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. This—that's the thing you die for. Jesus is okay. Second thing. Well, I'm wondering if I should do the third. Yeah, that's thing. the thing that you die for. Are you willing to die for the fact that Jesus Christ, or are you willing to die that you die for the fact that baptism? And I think that that's a good statement that you made. Of is it? where you die for because are you willing to die on the fact that 
baptisms need to happen in order enough for somebody to be saved. You willing to die on that? Correct. If you're willing to die on that, I'm sorry. I'm saying you're stupid. Yeah, because there's no mention of it in the. In the <laughs> there's no validation of no. whatever that is. I was like, if you're resting on the fact that John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and that there's other verses where people it says people became followers of Jesus and then got baptized, and, and you're willing to and the love that die they for have, that, then you're. you're I'm sorry, you're and an idiot. the love that they have. I love for, you as a Jesus follower. You're still a Jesus follower, but you're a misguided, moronic Jesus and follower. And the love that they have for John the Baptist in the scriptures is not because of the fact that he baptized Jesus. No. That's not what that's about. It's about the guy who prepared the way for Jesus, who continued to preach that there is a man who will follow me who is greater than I, who is this man who will save us from who he is. And he believed that he was unworthy to baptize Jesus. Correct. Okay? Like it is not about this idea that people need to be baptized. And don't get me wrong. Jesus recognized it as a, as a valid practice that he needed to participate in. And so if you sit there and you say that that is a valid practice that I need to participate in, I, I don't disagree. I think as Christians, there is something beautiful to be said about, about it but that segues into our next section which public conviction public conviction the things i say i believe and you're gonna say well that's kind of weird when we get to our third one this will make sense these are the th so we have so far the things i believe 100 i 100 believe these the things I say, the things I say, I believe. These are things that I have been told by other people, by my pastors, by reading the Apostle Paul in his letters. Uh, for those of you who aren't Jesus followers, these are letters. The uh, there's all kinds of terms. There's epistles. These are letters that a Jesus follower, after Jesus has died, becomes a Jesus follower and is writing to all these different churches in all around. Um, Turkey and uh, uh, Turkey and Greece and what we'd call Palestine t today, telling well, mainly though Greece and Turkey. Um, he's mainly talking to a quote-unquote Greek audience, Greek Greco-Roman audience, and telling them, "Here's my advice on how to handle these things that you're trying to struggle with as your Jesus followers." These, and so we're reading those things and then trying to apply them to being Jesus followers today in the 21st century, in the 19th century, in the 16th century, in the 12th century. How do we apply those things? These are, these are things I think I believe. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I believe these things. And I'm willing to say publicly, yes, I believe it's important. You what got us here was baptism. Right. New believer comes to me or Colton. No, I'm saying like both of us. I, I got you. Comes to both of us. And so oh, I thought one, you were saying. No, 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 no. I thought, you were, I thought you were replacing me with the new believer. Okay, no, 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 so no. there's either a new believer no, no, that no. comes to me or Colton that, comes it, to it, me. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, no, that, it's fine. That could have been sounded pejorative. It didn't. <laughs> a new believer comes to either one of us is my point. It's not like something Tim holds. It's also something both of us hold. New believer comes to us and says, hey, I'm going to your church. I really like this, blah, blah, blah. Someone's saying I need to be baptized. I don't really see the point. Both of us would say, no, absolutely, 100%. You need to sit down with 
Jason at our church with uh, Forrest at our church and go through that process because there is nothing better for not only you, but people who've been sitting in those chairs for 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, their entire life, seeing someone stand up there and say, I was a mess. I was lost. I was, I was unhappy. I didn't think I was, there was something missing in my life. I had everything I wanted and yet I still felt unfulfilled, even though I had everything I ever wanted to achieve. Whatever your story is, to sit down and get baptized in front of a group of people, publicly say, I now follow Jesus. And even if you have a shitty story, like that's, that's where it's like, I don't know. Well, that's whatever your story is, absolutely, you've got, you should do this 100% publicly. I think you should do that. Don't get me wrong. I will confess that I think that sometimes it's a little intimidating when churches do public baptisms in front of everyone and for you as somebody who's in the audience to sit there and that person gets up there and they're like, yeah, I was a drug addict and I, this is what I went through and whatever, blah, 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 blah. And they sit there and say, and I found Jesus through all of this. And you feel like your story or whatever it is of how you found Jesus is significantly inferior to that. Right, right, right. like, ah, oh, well, like my friend invited me. Like, that's all it was. It's like, you know. Um, and we try to teach people to be unashamed of whatever story it is that, that you came about to find that. But still, at the same time, I do have to admit that it is a little intimidating um, uh, in that. And so there are other ways for you to be publicly baptized where it's not necessarily at the grand scale on a Sunday morning where it's like you can sit there and you can confess to those that are around you. Um I was like, one of the things that we used to do at church camp where it was like, you know, these are the people that I admitted to when we would go to Hume Lake and they would sit there and say like, hey, I've committed to Jesus. And it's like, that's phenomenal. And we would work with them through that process of just, you know, uh, this is what it means. This is how we continue to move forward. Um, this is how we love other people is through what it is that we do. And you don't have to have this. I'm this terrible kid. I, I grew up in this broken home or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to have that kind of background for you to love other people and for you to be a part of the ministry that Jesus Christ has provided for us or what Jesus Christ has requested of us. Um, and I do think that for anybody that's listening to this, when it comes to your what you say out loud publicly, again... Different people have different thresholds for how that works, but there is something to be said about there is something that we say out loud that we that we believe, um, and that is what we publicly proclaim. Right? That is what our yeah yeah. So, so I I will. I, I will admit I'm not the average person, and I'm I don't I'm not meaning to sound like I'm more profound or deep thinking. He is more. No, I'm trying to be. I get moved by every. uh, My favorite Sunday at our church is when someone gets baptized. He's profound. No, shut up. I I I cannot make it through a baptism without shedding a tear. That's because he has a Pentecostal background. (laughs) It might be. I don't care. 
No, I don't care if the story is I grew up in he the church. He starts speaking in tongues when this happens. <laughs> it's okay. We have a translator nearby. Is everything a joke to you, Colton? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know me. Yes. Now I'm feeling like Nolan. Uh, no, I get, I get moved every... I don't care if it's... I had this terrible... You know, I grew up with a terrible life before and then I found Jesus. Or it's I grew up in the church my whole life and I didn't understand it until I was 22 years old. I don't I don't care. I just... I love him. So... Uh, but other public convictions... I, my One of my public convictions is I think everyone should give to the church. And it doesn't mean the church you go to, but... The money you've been given shouldn't just go in your pocket. Give it to something where you feel like the kingdom of the Jesus is being impacted somewhere. So give it to a homeless ministry or a ministry overseas where you think people are being their lives are being improved or whatever. But no, we're not supposed to just make a bunch of money and that money not make it into uh, the pocket of uh, benefit other people, particularly in the United States. I'm uh, for those of you who are not aware of the new testament there's a a scripture there's a part of the bible where paul's talking about how those of us those of us in the church all have different gifts and one of those is the gift of making money that he talks about and i have a general view again well this is probably more like a private conviction that i'm talking about publicly but we'll get to that in a minute oh i have i have a fun public conviction after you're done so i have a kind of a general idea pretty much all americans are the rich guy that paul's talking about where we all have the gift of money most of us have we all have more money than we need pretty much and so if you look at that as being a part of a global international church a body that includes a, a group of christians that includes people from Senegal and people from Thailand and all that, we make a lot more money. And so, yes, one of our gifts, even if you don't think, you know, you, you'd like to make a lot more money is we make a lot more money than the average person does. And so give that money. I'm not going to say it's 10% or I'm not going to put a percentage on it or what that. That money should be given because uh, it's both uh, an acknowledgement to God that we're all blessed ultimately by him and that we are trying to contribute in some way to his kingdom and so you know that'd be i think that'd be one of my public convictions um what's another public conviction a public conviction actually this is a fun one because uh, i get to make i get to poke fun at my wife a little bit for this one <laughs> um is so my wife grew up in a reformed household and that was all that she ever knew um and she she started dating me and I was a Baptist background. And so still, even if we were different, there wasn't, there wasn't huge, huge discrepancies between what it is that we believed and, and how we practice things, um, on a regular basis. But then she got to meet my grandparents. Now my grandparents are my, my grandfather, and I've talked about it on the show before, is a progressive agnostic, and my grandmother is an ex-Catholic. Um, so they don't observe religious um, practices. And so the first time that we had dinner at their house, um, my wife was upset at me for probably two weeks um, over the fact that – and we had 
it wasn't while we were married. It was while we were in college. We were staying for dinner at their house, and we didn't pray at the dinner table. <laughs> and this was huge for my wife. She was upset, like I said, with me for about two weeks over the fact that we didn't pray regardless of the fact that they weren't observing any type of religious thing my grandparents if you if you go to dinner with my grandparents they just dig right into their meal and to which most christians or most practicing protestants in our country will be sit there and be like oh you pray before every meal right um that's just yeah this is 100 percent a public a public Um, conviction keep going yeah 100 percent. that's why i was like this is a great one um this is kind of this funny thing my wife was no this is i'm really glad we did this the three convictions because this will really get people to start thinking like oh really was is is this keep so yeah my wife was so upset and she was upset with me that i didn't dictate that we need to say grace before we have this. Never mind the fact that it's in their house or whatever. Right. And again, <clears throat> when we were growing up, because again, my mother and my father were both practicing Christians um, or Protestants, they recognized that my grandparents weren't. And so always out of respect to them, it was like, okay, we're in their household. And it's not this idea of... Well, like, we're in the sinner's territory, and so we need to follow our own rules or whatever and acknowledge it. It was like, nope, out of love and respect for them and their household, that's not necessarily what we do. But we can sit there and we can sacrifice a prayer for this particular meal in order enough to just sit there and just be like, okay, this is what how they do things, and this is how we're going to operate. It took my wife a while to get used to that. But now... She's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, right. why would I, why would I tell them on how to, on how to go about doing a meal like we did? My grandparents showed up uh, around Christmas break, um, around uh, just after Christmas, um, and in between Christmas and New Year's, they showed up, and we had an awesome time with them. Um, and yeah, every meal. Audrey and I pray before every single meal, and don't get me wrong, our prayers are not very thoughtful or devout. It's it's very cookie cutter. I and I mean, my I, my father's favorite was bless the hands that prepared it. Amen. Mine is. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the exact same thing. And, and, my, he, and he wasn't the one who made the meal, so it wasn't self serving, but it was still funny. My prayer is the exact same one that my father used to give growing up. And my father was a youth pastor. So, but mine is, dear Heavenly Father, thank you very much for this food that you provided for us. I pray there be nourishing to our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen. That's what I say every time. I was like, Audrey reaches out for my hand. We hold the hands. And that's what I say. I've said that same prayer since I was in like sixth grade. Um, and it's not because anybody taught me to say that. It was just I observed my father say that. It was that. learned. So it, was me- it was. Yeah, it was. It like, was. It was mimetic. You 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 memed what your dad did, which is fine. That, that that's how societies are based around that. Yeah. When it comes to a meal, I want to say thank you. I. Rec- this is a perfect. Okay. We'll finish, and then I'll get to. Yeah, what, and I'll, and, and then I'm I'll saying, give my example. I my thing is I say I thank you. I want to say thank you because I recognize that nothing that I have 
comes from me, but it comes from you. Correct. I recognize that the meal comes from him. And then I also want it to be nourishing to our bodies. I, I do recognize that there is something that I can ask for in this. And then it's like, please nourish us through this. I was like, and that is ultimately like, I don't know. Some t- hey, don't get me wrong. Golly. Some of you guys have been to Thanksgivings and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Where, the, <laughs> where grandpa or dad has got to get up and they got to say this long ass fucking mm. prayer. Eric York, I'm, I'm talking about you, man. Anytime that Eric York would fucking say a prayer, it was like, dude, we don't have the fucking time, dude. Like, what are you doing? Um, and some of you guys might be listening to this and like, who would you cut off with a prayer? And I was like, no, no. If you've ever been around an Eric York prayer. I have a funny story for that. You don't want to hear it. But, yeah. So, on Saturday morning, this last weekend, we're down in Los Angeles. We're staying at my business partner, Jamie's uh, place. And uh, Eric and uh, Nolan turn the TV on before everybody else gets up. I think Eric's watching. Eric no. did? Jamie, I, think he, I think he was. No hunt- shot Jamie didn't wake up and turn the TV on. I don't know who. No, Eric. Eric might have turned it on first, hunting for European soccer, and then didn't find it because Jamie doesn't have the channels. But anyway, I feel like Jamie. I don't know who it turned it on, but they. But what the point is, Nolan and Eric stumbled upon this Christian tel- CTT channel. It was like Christian something television. They stumbled upon the Christian Mingle movie. Ooh. Starring Lacey Chabert. I don't know who that is. Oh, uh, you recognize it's one of the mean girls, the the <laughs> brunette. Uh, okay, Lacey Chabert. She was one of the mean girls. She was in Party of Five. Anyway, uh, it's directed by Corb, written and directed by Corbin Burnson, who was the third baseman in Major League, the really rich guy. You remember Major League? Yeah, that's Corbin Burnson. Who at some point after Major League became a Christian, and so pretty much all he does now is Christian movies. And he, it's an unbelievable. It it is. It's I was American we, Express. We were all, yes. <laughs> Never steal home without, without it. it. <laughs> and he's the one who's supposed to. He's supposed to be uh, have a yeah. Burnson's the guy who's supposed to have a Hollywood future, and he's the most wooden of all the guys speaking in that MS <laughs> yeah. commercial. Anyway, uh, we're watching this thing, and they're like. Eric and Nolan 100% are like we're not changing the channel so just sh- everyone shut up this this movie is amazing and it was it was I could not tell if it was self-aware or so unself-aware like it was either like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about it was little like column A little column B right it was either all in on one or the other but there was this so the the crux of the movie is Lacey Chabert doesn't have a boyfriend. She goes on a date, or I, I didn't catch the beginning of it. She either meets a guy or goes on a date with this guy who's a Christian, and she finds out pretty quickly he she's a pretty diehard Christian. <laughs> his his mom is Morgan Fairchild, who's this very all in Christian Morgan Fairchild, who was uh, well, she was on one of the, she's on Dynasty or falcon crest or whatever from the 80s and then she played chandler's dad in friends <laughs> okay got you it. know what i'm talking about yeah i got it okay so anyway uh Chabert finds herself at church 
you know, because she's really leaning on trying to win this guy over and show that she's, but she's she's operating on this <laughs> on this lie that she's been a, like a longtime Christian when she's not a Christian at all. So uh, church is over, and they say, "Oh, we're gonna go out. Let's all go out to lunch." Okay, great, we're gonna go out to lunch. And so somebody says, uh, "Will you say grace for 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 the meal?" And so she pretends she proceeds to do one of these. Oh, heavenly, profound, maker of all heaven and earth, and uh, blessest thou though those of us who eat from thou bountiful womb and are now going. <laughs> it's just even the Christians around the table are like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> we just need to like bless, bless, uh, like my dad said, bless the hands that have pre- that have prepared it. Move on, amen. So we need a uh, the we profound need, prayer at, at any meal is always amazing. We need a. Uh, we need a hook prayer uh, for anybody that's. I do when I hook. do have the kids over. Everybody have, say grace, grace. Right when I I will admit when I have my f- kids over who are all pretty much pagans, I do try to make it clear. Mom and I are hosting Thanksgiving. We do believe there's a God, or most and particularly Christmas. If they're all over Christmas, we do believe in Jesus. We are here to celebrate baby Jesus. And no one's ever offended, but I'm not, I mean, it's not a five-minute prayer. It's like, we thank you for bringing your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and blah, 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 blah. And so... But it's your space, and you're the It's host. my space. I don't lean... It's not a, like, it's not even a 30-second prayer. It's still a 10-second prayer, but like Easter, we thank you for your your Lord and Savior who died, rose three days later, and and saved us all and uh, you know well, that's why we're here and again my kids know what i believe they're not offended by it but i'm also not just going to be like yeah we're all just getting around here to you know grab uh, plastic eggs with from the easter bunny so kids can get um candy right here's another public one communion yeah, public uh, communion. The communion is somewhere between public and core, but I would say it's public. I don't think it's core at all. No, I think it's purely public. It's been made core. I think it's been made core by some segments of the church. Oh, you think it's been made core? It's yeah, made sure. Core. But again, that's but the idea of like people sit there and they make shit dogmas where it's like, no, that's not a dogma. Yes, I think that one hundred percent core. And then the argument is, how often do you do it? I, like, I'll be honest. At our church, I don't think we do it often. But don't get me wrong. I enjoy partaking in communion. I think that there is something that is really good through that process or whatever of recognizing again and again what Jesus – and again, that's where I think our faith is <laughs> – No, keep going. I just had a nice thought. No, I think I think there is something to be said about recognizing at least once a month where you're like – Yes, this is what Jesus did for me. And that's where like almost an Easter service becomes almost kind of obsolete and not in a bad way, but just of that you should every single I every single day you should be recognizing that Jesus went to the cross. And so at the very limit at the very limited perspective of what biblical tradition does is they say okay, once a month and Protestant tradition Catholic tradition is you do it every week. Correct. That's so, that's, what I, that's why I was chuckling a second ago. So I spent half a year living with my, basically with my aunt who's Episcopal. And if you don't know what the difference is, Episcopal Episcopal is basically American English Church of, is 
Episcopal is American Church of England, and Church of England is basically Catholic Church. It just split because there was an argument over whether or not Henry V could divorce his wife. I mean, that's literally what it is. There's yeah, not much daylight between them. No. There might have been some things over the couple hundred years that have split them, but they're all basically what I call, if you've listened to this for a long time, high church. Yes. And when I when my aunt went from being the daughter of two Pentecostal pastors, both my mom, my grandmother and my father were Pentecostal pastors in some form. She went she became an Episcopal Episcopalian. I don't know if it was because of my uncle or what. And I never asked. And it never really bothered me. But when we went to their church, like Catholics, they did communion every week. And then most of the other churches I've been to, it's once a month, maybe once every six weeks. And I'll be honest, the, the one thing that I have a gripe about, but I'm not going to gripe about it because of what their background is. It's, it, it's me imposing my values on them. They do it whenever they kind of want to do it. Right. And you say, well, shouldn't it be important as to when you do... Um, when you do communion, to which I say, that all depends on what you think this do often in remembrance of me means. <laughs> and some of you might say, well, often is once a month. <laughs> and some of you might say once a week. And some of you might say once or twice a year. And the point is, these are the things I publicly believe but I'm not sold on them as much as I I'm not going to die for them or even, well, unfortunately, too much of the time. Well, well, we'll flesh that out later. That's what I publicly believe. Absolutely. 100%. There should be communion. If I was in charge of our church, we'd be doing it more often than we do. But it's not enough of a public conviction for me to leave that ch the church that I like because there's other things that I'm in alignment with with our church that we're at. So, all right. So we've done... Core conviction, the things I believe 100%. Private conviction, no, public conviction, the things I say I believe. Can continue to flesh out in your head if you're listening to this. What are the things that I say I believe, but they don't fall in line with Jesus died, rose three days later, blah, 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 blah. Private conviction, the things I think I believe. And this gets us back to the original thing that we started with. Well, not beer of the week or music of the week, but <laughs> the X. The, no, that's the, what we the, started with. I personally, look, we've talked about this before. I think I've intimated this, but I'm going to intimate it again. If you're listening to this, I am 50, remember when I was something years old, I'm 50, early 50s. I am, I am self-aware. I am a child of... A fully evangelical Christian America. I am the grand grandson of Pentecostal pastors on both sides of, of the family. Uh, I grew up in the church. I am self-aware enough to know that the things that I think I really, really believe in now that I am 50 years old, I don't know is because 
I have, and I'm not foisting this on my grandparents and my parents. I don't mean to say I'm blaming them, and, and I don't blame them at all. It's just the mil- it's the churches that I grew up in. Yeah. Um, in fact, the older that I got with my parents, I found out that the things that I thought I believed my parents didn't believe, and I'm like, what? Wait, we sat in the same pews and chairs. What, what was I thinking? So um, they were more, I would say, progressive on some things than I was. Um, I am, all that to say, I am the child of a Christian evangelical viewpoint. And so when I am faced with something like Will you go to a Christian? Uh, will you go to a, a gay wedding or a transgender wedding? Yes, I will. And when, but if I'm confronted with, do you think homosexuality or transgenderism is a sin? I have to say yes, I still do. But I also have to say, if I'm left to my private conviction, if you're going to press me on it, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not willing to die on that hill. Yeah. Me neither. And I'm certainly not willing to not break bread with someone and make someone feel like what I talked about with that the the extreme band that I was talking about. I don't want someone to feel that they are the 100. Jesus talks about the 100, 100 sheep. Yeah. And I'm going to go find the 100, the, the, the one out of the 100. And I think the reason why we're doing the three convictions is... One, we flatten those three convictions into one layer of convictions. My yeah. public convictions, my private convictions, and my core, they're all the same. And if I, if I at all deviate from my public and my private, then I'm actually, I am like the guy who, who doesn't stand up to a tyrant and now my whole faith is now crumbling because I don't know what I can believe in, which is nonsense. Absolutely. It's nonsense. Yeah. And what we turn into is someone who actually who actually does believe this. They turn into someone who believes that, well, you might have been the 99th of the hundred, and I might have gone out and saved you, but you're the 101th of the hundred, and I'm not going to save you. Or the person hearing you say that that's what they hear yeah well if you'd only been within that 100 if you'd been that 99th i would have gone out and done everything i can i would have sacrificed the 99 for you because but because you were the 100 101 first and the 102nd you know you're outside the herd forget it you're you gotta fend for yourself yeah and don't ever bother coming back. You're just, the wolves are going to eat you. I know. And again, public conviction, the things I say I believe. Private conviction, the things I think I believe. And core conviction, the things I 100% believe. If you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you're... you're Let's just look at it as, as circles. And your circle is the the things I 100% believe, and it's a big circle, and the circles get smaller. So my public conviction is a little bit smaller than the, than the 100% that I believe, and the private is really small. 
I'm sorry, brother, sister. It's inverted. That's not how this works. Yeah. That is not how it means to be a person who struggles. Yeah. Going back to what we talked about earlier. Being a Jesus follower is a struggle. This is not paint by numbers how to view the world and and go by the world. Oh, if you want that kind of world, then just uh, sell all your Bible crap that you got. Sell all your Bibles. Stop going to church and just pick up some. uh, Start watching Tony Robbins on YouTube. No disrespect to Tony Robbins either. But just like if you got that kind of conviction on how that's how the world works, then you might as well just be following some modern day guru. That is not what Jesus came to die for. No. It is day-to-day struggle. And it's not just, oh, Sally Ann at work is, you know, she's just really hard to get along with, and I just find it hard, and so I'm just dying to oneself to get get along with Sally Ann. No. No. It's not as simple as that. No. It's not. One, get over yourself. One, get over yourself. But if you're, let's put it this way. If your public conviction and your private convictions are getting in the way of someone coming to you and say, what are these core convictions that make you seem like you have the world figured out? Like whatever the world throws at you, you know that there's someone there for you. Then your core, then your private and your public convictions are getting in the way. Right? Right. No, I think that. I think that there is an idea that the public convictions supersede. But I mean, like, it, it's that idea of trying to. to. to present this image. Um, that doesn't need to be presented, but we don't, but we struggle with this as Americans. Like, like, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, that's the hard part where, where if you sit there and you acknowledge American culture and where we need to, where whatever it is that we say, we therefore, or whatever it is that we believe because somebody else said it and therefore we bought into it and therefore we need to back it 100%. We can't ever admit that we're fucking wrong on whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to flip it around. I'm going to actually flip this around. We had Martin Luther King Day, what, a month ago? Yeah, a month ago. A month ago. And every year it when it's coming up, I meant to, I mean to do a big like we need to lean all in. Because I I think particularly I'm gonna be honest, if you're a conservative, we you need to lean in on Martin Luther King. Cause um when I was younger and I was a conservative, I don't think I appreciated enough him enough. And now where we're at now where race is defines everything i just really just i i i weep for the day where where martin luther king was saying everybody's judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin that's a side note i bring up martin luther king core conviction jesus died on the cross rose three days later he died for our sins uh here's a private conviction this is perfect. Okay. And I didn't even mean to go here. 
that's a that's core conviction, right, Colton? Right. For you and I, a private conviction, meaning you and I would have a discussion because we're like minded, but I would you and I would never have this discussion with somebody, particularly who's a new Christian, correct? Well, when I say you'll understand. Right. You and I struggle with the idea, did Jesus die for everybody? Absolutely. That is a one hundred percent is a private conviction. Yes. Do do we as Christians misunderstand that once Jesus died, everybody is saved? What is called universalism, and I think you and I will both struggle with that till the day we die. Till the day we die. And I think, if I'm being really honest, I think Christians who truly struggle with these three categories should struggle with that. There should be somewhere in the back of their mind. Them at least thinking, and if not praying to God, you know what? I'm hoping that all of us were redeemed by that great sacrifice that your son made. But I'm going to live if, if, as if that didn't happen and try to make today a better place. So those are public-private convictions, uh, core and, and private convictions. Here's a public conviction. Martin Luther King is in jail. And he writes uh, letters from a Birmingham, Birmingham jail. And a good part of that letter is he's angry with white pastors all throughout the South who say, Martin, we agree with you in theory, but we don't want to rock the boat. <laughs> you mean... You mean letters from Birmingham jail? I said what? I thought I, I said... Know, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah. I, I thought know. I said letters from Birmingham jail. You did And he's upset with it. It's just not. It's just not the time, Martin. Correct. That's what they're saying. Like this is not the time. You're, it's not the time. You're causing. It's a little too much. You're causing a little too much up. Yeah, actually, we need somebody who's not from outside the area. <laughs> we need someone who's not black saying this. No, 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 it's not about not being black. It's just like you're not from. You're not from Birmingham. Like, you don't really understand our struggles, and so therefore you really shouldn't be here. Just so we're clear, that's what the clergyman, if you're reading letters from Birmingham jail and he's talking to the clergyman, there were legitimately clergymen who wrote to him, and those were the yes. things that they were saying. They were, they were white clergy. Yeah. And they were saying we 100% agree. We agree, but now's not the time. Now's not now, the time? I'm now look, I'm I'm going I'm going to say I under look. <laughs> this is where I'm going to put these three things into category. I understand an element of that because these are public convictions. They are not core convictions. And this is but this is where things get dicey. And <laughs> If we're going to do a Venn diagram of the people who are really uppity about really, really invested in whether or not a man and a woman only should be married and whether someone who's male and male and female and female or LBGTQ, the Venn diagram people who get really angry about that and the same people who would have been like, hey, man, don't rock the boat about racial stuff. It's pretty much 100 percent. Well, and I, I think maybe, maybe I'm going to lean into what it is that you're getting here. Where it is, again, this idea of 
we are oftentimes so nearsighted. And maybe what those people were saying and the clergymen were saying was, now's not the time. We need somebody from our area to say that. And I was like, I don't necessarily think that they were coming from bad places when they said those things. But what I, but what a part of this conversation is, they're not aligned with the core. They're in line with the public idea of what it is or their their public profession of of what it is that needs to be addressed. They're sitting there and saying, well, you know, like we have to do things the way that, you know, it, it works in our in our democratic system or whatever. And and some of you might be listening to this and you're getting a little upset about it. But no, honestly, you're correct. I think some I think some people listening to this say, no, you're now getting it wrong. You're, you're claiming that racial equality is a core is a core conviction and it's a public conviction to which I welcome that discussion. I welcome that discussion. The point isn't to settle I don't what, even know if it's about racial equality. I think it's just about human equality. Like that's the hard part of it. Well at the time like, let's phrase it in what it was at the time, sure, which is racial. Time. At the time it was racial equality, but also at I mean and here's the hard part. Is okay. Let's trans uh, not transfer, but let's fast forward sixty years into the future, and let's go with people are looting stores nowadays because they believe that nobody's listening to them or whatever. Is that true? Is that how you respond? And again, it's that idea of well. Nobody's fucking listening to us. Right. And that's and and I think that that's a legitimate thing where it's like again what you in this is an argument that I make for Palestine and I, listen I don't make a lot of arguments for Palestine or or based off of the Gaza strip situation but it's like you're sitting there and nobody nobody listens to you. For 10 years, you are continually oppressed. What the fuck do you do? If you play the under, if you play the oppressed victim um, the entire time. For several generations, because they've been shat on by both Israel and all the surrounding Arab countries. So Yeah, yeah I know, but also at the same time. Israel gets to also shit on you because they get to continually play the victim because of the 1945 and 1940s. They get to sit there and say, well, we had the Holocaust happen to us and a genocide happened to us. And so therefore we can do whatever the fuck we want in the Middle East. Is that okay? The answer is fucking no, by the way. (laughs) If you're sitting there and you're like, well, maybe. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. You don't get to treat people like shit. We listen. I'm fully well aware that that Palestine is not a legitimate state in the area. It is not a recognized state currently in the area. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge that Israel was not a recognized state, but because. 
we were the big dicks in the locker room. We said, oh, yeah, it's going to be a recognized state. And so everybody move out of the way. <laughs> I don't I I don't agree with recognizing biblical landmarks again, and that means that fucking Italy owns like all of Europe. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna play those rules, like I don't I don't understand why that oh well you know, Christians are the Jews' second best friend. I <sighs> I don't believe in attributing something to a holy land, because again, that's that's a another public one. Yeah, that's one percent. Well, yeah, that's somewhere between a public and a, frankly, a private. Where it is, we, this is we've we've turned this is the holy land. And, we've turned the holy land, and so let's have the Jews have it because idols. that's the closest that we could possibly get to that. I was like, if the is if the people of Islam have it, then we won't be allowed to be there. And then blah 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 blah. And it's like the holy land is fucking here. It's wherever you fucking make it. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the don't. I, I get people go to the holy land. My my parents went to the holy land. They enjoyed it. Um, our pastor's been, I think, twice. Uh, most, a lot of pastors go. Most pastors probably in their lifetime have gone. And I get it, if you get to go, there's a connection there. But uh, let's understand that's one hundred percent a human connection. And I don't even know if that's a private conviction. That's like even outside the three convictions we're talking about. That's just purely like that's just a, a human. It's just a human like. Uh- recognize that that is please recognize that that's a human thing maybe that's something that needs to be said is we need to recognize that humans for the longest time have so much attachment to the dead and religion and where we came from in the past shit where it's like does that play a part in who you are moving forward arguably jesus came to just destroy all of that and say like that none of that matters does that play a part in who you are moving forward Right. Because a lot of you, a lot of, uh, and I say a lot of you, but a lot of Christians go to Israel and they want to see Jesus's like area and blah, 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 blah. But how many of you go to Egypt? How many of you go to Mesopotamia or the cradle of humanity in Africa? Right. That's where the Tigris and the Euphrates are. I was like, the original two species that we were able to find that were male and female that were homo sapiens are named Adam and Eve by scientists. How many of you go and visit them? I was like, there's arguments that the Garden of Eden rests somewhere within the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Which is modern day Iraq. Yep. So when you were talking about all this, it reminded me of something going back to our what the X thing and whether or not you should, this grandmother should go to the grandchild's wedding. There's a, <laughs> there's a verse. I, 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 the people who are most adamant about quoting scripture and saying what Jesus would do and even what Paul says we should do and what Peter says we should do, 
the verse that they never quote is um, from 1 Corinthians. I don't remember exactly where in 1 Corinthians, and frankly, it shouldn't matter because it was originally written as a letter before we broke it down into chapters and verses. But it was a letter he, the first letter he wrote to Corinthians, which is how we should first describe it, where he says, Why do you care what the pagans believe and what they do? Because they don't believe in Jesus. So stop condemning them for what they believe. Because if you did do that, then you would never be engaged in the world. And his point is, if all you want to do is go around point fingers at yeah. the religious people, guess what? We're never going to bring anybody to Christ. Because all we're going to be do doing is saying, we're better than you. Yeah. Which is, going back to the first topic, literally what all these people are doing is, I'm better than you are because you haven't decided to be not a boy when you're a girl or vice versa, then you can't be a Jesus follower until I'm better than you are and I'm going to sleep really well at night knowing I raised a family that's not full of transgender people or gay and I'm and I'm really following Jesus. Or, and that people, gets that back are, to or these... people that are predestined to make it into heaven. Correct. Which then brings us back to where we're at now. How much of this crap you're spouting to whoever friends at church your small group just another believer you have your spouse your family whatever what what percentage of that is mostly private conviction and public conviction and i bet 99 percent of it is that and you are judging people on what you think you think you think you think you might believe. And the things you publicly believe, but don't really have a damn to do with what Jesus actually died on the cross for. Right. And if you're listening to this, even if you think you're a really progressive Christian, the whole point of this, break that down. Think about it. Have some self-reflection. Think about what you believe. And if you are really laying down markers on if somebody doesn't believe this, they're not a Jesus follower or they're not, they'll never understand who Jesus is, then I'm sorry. You're the sinner. You're the one who's the sinner. You're the one who's telling the Holy Spirit, they're not good enough for you. There's nothing you could ever do to convince them to be a Jesus follower. Right, which is no good. That's the sin we're not supposed to do. Right. Not just with ourselves, but with others. You know what? Jesus, Holy Spirit, they're so gone. <laughs> you're never going to work on them. Because they don't believe in these 5, 10, 15 things that I really find just as important as to whether or not you died on the cross, you rose three days later, you ascended into heaven, and all of that was so that we would fully have a relationship with God in the way that he intended. Well, the way that I intended that you would. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Larry David. <laughs> well, this has been a really good episode. Uh, we thank you for listening to the Go To Hell podcast. As always, subscribe, rate, and review so more people can find out about the Go To Hell podcast. And if you don't like Toby Keith, 
you can definitely go to hell. Even if you don't, hey, folks, if you don't even like country music, just 30 minutes. Listen to Toby Keith. All right? Just listen to it. Should have been a cowboy. Should have been a cowboy. Just listen to a little bit. The guy died. It's a fun guy. It's good music. Even if it... If you don't like that kind of country music, then you can definitely go to hell. Definitely. Sorry you missed me. I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Thank you. God bless. Got the news on Friday morning, but a tear I couldn't find. You showed me how I'm supposed to live, and now you showed me how to die. I was lost till Sunday morning I woke up to face my fear While writing you this goodbye song I found a tear I'm gonna miss that smile I'm gonna miss you, my friend Even though it hurts the way it ended up I do it all again So play it sweet in heaven Cause that's right where you want to be I'm not crying cause I feel so sorry for you Crying for me I got up and dialed your number And your voice came on the line that old familiar message I'd heard a thousand times It just said Sorry that I missed you Leave a message and God bless I know you think I'm crazy But I had to hear your voice I guess I'm gonna miss that smile I'm gonna miss you my friend Even though it hurts the way it ended up do it all again So play it sweet in heaven Cause that's right where you wanna be I'm not crying cause I feel so sorry for you Crying for me Crying for me 